Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energized. Uh, Roscoe, we're back. Welcome back, bud. We are back fresh off the show on Monday with Mr. Paul Nealon. Uh, if you haven't checked that out when you're into football, make sure to check it out. Uh, make sure to hit like, share, subscribe. Uh, we're growing this channel like there's no tomorrow with Mo and Basmo. We're working hard. We're putting in the slog. Yeah. How are you feeling? Man, that was a great intro. Yeah, man. We were just going over stuff there. And uh, yeah, like things are really exciting. They really, really are. Uh, it's probably not the most exciting week in combat sports this week, but there is a bit of news out there, so we're here to give it to you. Uh, we're going to kick things off in the world of boxing. Hold on, what would you do differently if it was MMA? Um, boom, throw the elbow <laughs> in there. Okay, yeah. Just, uh, just so you know. Yeah, so for people that haven't heard, Tyson Fury has now left Daniel Kinahan and he has now joined top rank fully to do all of his deals. Uh, Ross, can you explain exactly what's after happening? Because this is only after breaking in the last couple of hours. Yeah, so obviously, uh, Daniel Kinnan very infamously was involved in the original deal with Anthony Joshua. Uh, they agreed, you know, a figure on both sides on who would get what. And look, Daniel Kinnan is a very controversial figure in Ireland. Um, obviously, he was part of um, BHK, I think it is, in Bahrain. They cut ties them, and now Tyson Fury's cut ties them. It seems more hassle than it's worth for Tyson Fury. Um, Daniel Kinnan's sort of part of the Kinnahan cartel. Um, they're one of the biggest drug cartels in the entire world. Yeah, I don't we, know if we, I we, say allegedly or not, but like, yeah, we that's sort of a fact of the matter. In, we got into detail about this in last week's show. Yeah, so look, the figures still agreed. The you know what I mean. It, the deal is still done. Daniel Kinnan was part of the deal now. He's just not going to be part of the negotiations going forward. So I suppose we should tell you what's on the table left to negotiate over. Yeah, the biggest thing is the venue. Where is the first fight going to take place between Joshua and Fury? Um, look, 99% chance it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia or maybe in Dubai. That's where the biggest payday is for those guys. They stand to make 20, 25, 30 million more each if the fight takes place there. It could um, take, it'd take, I think it would be even more almost. Well, they, that's, I, th- I think that's just like a flat fee that they're yeah, going to yeah, make yeah, more, yeah. more over there. Uh, and then, you know, they get the pay for you and I'm sure like you could probably sell ringside seats over there for 50 grand each or something. You know what I mean? Like those people over there have absolutely money to burn. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. Apparently, Dubai had to um, guess or sorry, Saudi Arabia had to sort of fix their TV streaming deals. Apparently, like, loads of TV gets, like, illegally streamed over there. And that sort of was a bit of a barrier to entry. Um, Saudi Arabia is a bit of a strange country because, like, they, they have very, like, poor human rights uh, over there, especially for women and stuff like that. So um, it is interesting that, you know, sort of a Western society would go over there and give them such a big fight and, like, give them that spotlight. But look, money talks, and that seems to be a major deal. Other things in the deal that have to be discussed is, you know, a secondary venue. Like, people keep on saying, oh, if one fight doesn't take place in the UK, use our whole shower of shite bags. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and maybe not in that sort of Irish lingo, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's very Irish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, at the end of the day, Eddie Hearn and Bob Aaron now, they work for Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Yep. And 
they're trying to make their client the most amount of money possible. Uh, other things are who who tops the bill. You know, Tyson Fury's undefeated lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Anthony Joshua has four of the belts. You know what I mean? And in terms of name recognition, who's the bigger draw? Maybe Anthony Joshua slightly swings it in terms of the sort of UK audience buying his fights. Even global audience, I think more people are drawn to Anthony Joshua. Mm. Just like, I mean, it's very, very close, but just, I think it's, he did. I think more the casuals like Joshua. He's like, beautiful looking fella. You know what I mean? As opposed to Tyson Fury is a bit of a a rugged hero, if that makes sense. I think more boxing Um, fans would be like, it's Fury because he's better. mm. But the global audience, Joshua, people are more following Joshua. And then the other thing is the walkout. Who walks the ring first? Who goes second? You know what I mean? Um, these are things that are all to be discussed and finalized. And this again, is, like yeah, we discussed. This, this, is all, this is all what's going to make the event so much more like, uh, like, mm. just not, like unmissable. You're, like having to watch all the details. The, the amount of detail they even go into with the walkouts is insane. Yeah, I, I always think, strange enough, Anthony Joshua's walkouts are like the most I wouldn't say charismatic, but the, the biggest, most money is pumped into a national and the Joshua walkout. I remember, I can't remember who he was fighting, but he was fighting someone in, I think it was the new Wembley. Yeah. And like, he was standing on this podium and next thing you know, the podium like just erected like 30 feet into the air. And then like, it came back down. And I was like, it was almost a bit awkward because Anthony Joshua is like brilliant. He is a boxer. He's not actually like sort of swaggery, if that's, that makes sense. As opposed to, Fury will do like a bit of a dance or something like that, and he'll you'll be entertaining whether it's for a cringy reason or whether it's for a humorous reason. He's yeah. definitely the more entertaining of the two. It's also I know obviously there's more things to get into, and we'll get into in a sec. But the way I don't like Tyson Fury definitely likes these guys. Everyone who's fought, he actually likes. Mm. So the way usually you have a fight and then it's it, it it's done and dusted. You know what I mean? You're your friends then, but then. They're gonna have to fight. No, you have the rematch. Yeah, which is gonna be really, really strange. It must be really hard to fight someone that like you actually do like. Mm. But um, and especially, especially a rematch are relevant to the result. Yeah, well, that's that's the game they're in, really. It, mm. But it, it was also announced that John T. Waller is gonna fight Tyson Fury first this December as well. So that's something to look out for as well. And uh, that's they're looking to either have that in Vegas or Texas. Yeah, I'd like to sort of see it in Texas. So I think. Tyson Fury would actually love to fight in Texas. I think that would like make it funnier. I could see him dressed up as a cowboy or something That's exactly like that to one of the press conferences. I was literally gonna like I was gonna either ask you or I'd say like, can you picture that? You can't. I, I see the cowboy hat on with the spurs and everything. Um, I I just see it happening. You know what I mean? I could see, and I could see all the Texans like leaning towards Fury. Fury is the fellow who like you don't want to fight in your own hometown because he'll come and like take you, rob your fans, and then like yeah. make a show of you. Yeah, if okay, so look at if you fast forward then a bit, like well, obviously Joshua is gonna have to take on Pula. <clears throat> if the fight's on in Wembley and there's like ninety thousand people there, what did Carl Frost say? I don't know what he said. No, he said like he sold out Wembley with ninety thousand. They might even try yeah, and get a hundred. So, yeah. They might even try and get a hundred thousand, but because of COVID, they're probably not gonna get that many. But what percent would you say would be Tyson Fury fans? What percent would you say would be Joshua fans in the, in the stadium? I would say like 65% Fury and like 35% Joshua. 
Yeah. I feel like I, I, I just have this sort of feeling that if Fury fights in the UK, all as UK fans, as in like, I think Fury fans are five fans, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like, Josh will have more celebs in the crowd fighting, shouting from, if that makes sense. Like, David Beckham will be there to be like, go on, Joshua. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot, of, uh, a, lot, a lot of the famous people, like someone like Gordon Ramsay, he goes through a few fights, James Corden as well. They'd like both guys. Especially James yeah, the, Gordon, uh, Sorry, especially Gordon Ramsay. They probably would, but I feel like they, they'd lean towards Joshua. Because, like, you can sort of show, you know, introduce Anthony Joshua to your kids. And they would have introduced Joshua to your kids. You can introduce Fury, Fury to your kids as well, man. He's a legend. Yeah, but, like, he's, yeah, but he says some outrageous stuff. Like, he's like, ah, uh, it was like, I work right. on getting me trained stronger by licking pussy. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, I masturbate seven times a day to keep my testosterone pumped. And it's just like, there's your role model there, kids. You know what I mean? As opposed to Auntie Joshua's like, Mr. Mr. Clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's why I think people are drawn more to Fury because he's so more open. I think the more open people become, people like resonate with them more. That's why like the footballers, people like are so easy to criticize footballers because they don't really open up. Yeah, but I think Fury appeals more to your 18 to 35-year-olds. Because, like, whether it's been, like, whether you've had mental health problems to Tyson Fury's extent or, like, you just had a bad day, everyone's felt that, if you know what I mean. And he talks about that so openly that, like, you're just like, oh, what a legend. And also, like, the way he, like, dances around the ring, it's, like, such a uh, fan-friendly fight style. Like, sings on the microphone after he wins, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Epic entertainment at all times. Yeah. We, we obviously talked about this last week for people that didn't check out the show. Make sure to like and subscribe. But, uh, Baz, I'm going to ask you a question here, right? Give me your top five. Now, I'm going to ask for the top five best boxers of all time, but your, your top five most entertaining boxers of all time, whether it be on the mic or whether it be in the ring. Well, first of all, I'd have to go with... You don't have to do them in order now. Just, 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 just five names. Yeah, uh, I'd have to go Lomachenko. When you watch him, you're just like, "What is this?" He's almost like uh, a matador. Um, yeah. Obviously, Tyson Fury, man. Like, I mean, you just have to watch him. Um, Katie Taylor, just because, like, I absolutely love watching her. That's a, like, mm. that's. I'm not saying right now. I'm saying of all time now. Of all time. Hmm. Well, then obviously, watching Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, Muhammad Ali as well. Man, absolutely brilliant five. I think I originally asked him about heavyweight boxers, but like, that's fine. <laughs> Those five are brilliant. Uh, for me, like, like, the heavyweight division is mad. Uh, obviously, growing up, like, it was all about Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? And like, Mike Tyson could have fought, like, you know, the postman down the road, and you know, he was getting millions of pay for you boys because people yeah. just people just wanted to see Mike Tyson beat people up, and that was that was just it. Uh, and also, he, bear in mind, he's absolutely incredible. Bear in mind, there wasn't that much things to watch as well, so you know. yeah. Uh, then obviously, Muhammad Ali, just like absolutely incredible person, just the way he moved from like Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, and like he, he uses influence in such a positive light. He's yeah. one of the first sports stars who, who have ever done that, you know what I mean? And even the fact, like, he took time, like, in Ireland to learn about Irish culture and Irish heritage, and, like, he spoke openly about that, how, like, 
you know, over the UK that Irish were basically being racially abused. Uh, I think that just stands, just stands a, a lot to me as an Irish person as well. So, Muhammad Ali, absolutely. It's so funny the way, like, Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson are always, like, put, like, toe-to-toe and, like, who was more entertaining and who would win. And, like, Mike Tyson was this absolute, like, degenerate, like, powerhouse. And then Muhammad Ali was, like, this, like, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, sort of, like, almost godlike figure. Yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. yeah like, polar good. opposites, but, like, both polarizing figures, nonetheless. Uh other ones are like I like Joe Frazier what's called uh, he obviously had great rivalries with uh, Muhammad Ali and he was almost he, he was actually the bad guy no matter what smoking Joe because if you're fighting Muhammad Ali like you're going to end up being the bad guy that's 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 your role you know what I mean uh, Lennox Lewis was absolutely brilliant uh, thought he was brilliant for British boxing and now Tyson Fury uh, I'd actually would have loved to see Tyson Fury versus Muhammad Ali back in the day because they were both so agile and yeah. I think Tyson Fury is the closest thing you'll ever get seeing Muhammad Ali in his prime. Yeah, the way he moves is just absolutely insane, and um, so light in his feet, like he he, he dances around there. Yeah, the, um, well, like uh, obviously, if things go to plan, it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna happen, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be like just so entertaining for like not only us doing shows but also people tuning in for like for everything from the shows to the build up to like absolutely everything and uh but like boxing's uh, getting quite good at the moment like you know i mean like i think we're gonna get triple g canelo three uh maybe we get canelo versus uh charlo uh i think uh lopez is gonna fight Trevante davis and then maybe the winner of that could fight lomachenko i mean like there's a few like little you know sexy fights coming up that i'm like once boxing gets back on track like i'll be Tune in. Yeah, it, this COVID situation has definitely almost reset time and put us back to like almost year one in a way. And the way these organizations are going to move out of this system and like mm. like post COVID is going to be really, really important. And like if you come out with a card that's absolutely dog shit, it's going to do dog shit numbers, and people are going to be like, you know what, they haven't even learned over this. Yeah. I think the way UFC have really, really hit the nail on the head and pushed everything, even going fight on them. We're obviously going to discuss that in a bit. It's The standard has been now set. Mm. So you can't come back in with absolute garbage. And uh, that's why Fury versus Joshua getting announced is just really, really pushed mm. everything on. And it's, you know what, it's probably made every fighter at home now, be it boxing or uh, mixed martial arts, be like, you know what? Sick of fighting these tin cans and going through all this training to do all this stuff. Mm. I want to. I want to put my name on a map now and be remembered as a great. Mm. You know I mean? But like heavyweight boxing has so much to be grateful at the moment to those two and Deontay Wilder because they're the only three people who are drawing numbers. If you take those three out of the equation and put you know Dillian White versus Andrew Ruiz, like that's not doing good numbers on pay per view. You put Dillian White no. versus Pulev or Andrew Ruiz versus Pulev or Parker against them, like. Those three guys are doing good numbers and no one else is doing good numbers. You know what I mean? Uh, I think maybe locally, if you did like Daniel Dubois versus Dillian White, that might do good numbers in the UK. But outside that, it's not going to do good numbers. So like heavyweight boxing has resurged due to those three guys. Yeah, and it's England that's really pushing it as well. Mm. And like England has like some great boxers uh, coming through and like these guys are going to get the bigger push. Like there's talks of Canelo fighting Billy Joe Saunders. That'd be a massive fight. Um, Callum Smith looks very, very good. There's a few other fighters who I'm like, right, 
let, let's have it. You know what I mean? Here, quick question then. As we just said there, like, they, boxing's obviously bigger than mixed martial arts in England, right? Yeah. And I'd say in the UK. But then when you're looking at America, bar Deontay Wilder and then Canelo, obviously, because, well, they, that's a bit of a technicality because he's Mexican. What sort of, like, American boxers are really pushing boxing above mixed martial arts in America? Because I can't really think of any. In terms of skill level, there's a few. Like, you know, Terence Crawford is unbelievable. Okay. You know, the Charlo brothers are, are unbelievable. Like, they'll definitely bring in, in views. Deontay Wilder obviously brings in views. Um, but in terms of their Tyson Fury or their, like, Lomachenko, they don't really have one since Floyd Mayweather. I think it's maybe one of those things where, you know, it's a bit like Henry Cejudo in the UFC with the Bantamweight division. Like, he basically, like, reigned over that division for and it wasn't even that long but like once he beat TJ Dillashaw and then like he went on his little short run of four fights that he won but when he left the bantamweight division became so much more interesting so sometimes the person at the very top almost has to leave it's a bit like if John Jones jumped from light heavyweight to heavyweight 205 would be so interesting because yeah, it's hard to know who's the best of the rest okay then, that, then let me put it this way then say if John Jones is the fight Dino Cormier at heavyweight, okay. If Daniel Cormier beats Miocic and becomes a champ, okay. So there's yeah. two, there's two Americans for you. What two American boxers could fight each other, or even that, that could could rival that pay per view? Well, I'm sure if you did the Charlo brothers against each other, like that, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you versus you. That would that would be like absolutely massive. Uh, Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence, um, I think, is a fight that can do it. But maybe, you know, if you want to keep it sort of like and like, maybe uh, Jamal Baby Miller versus Deontay Wilder. Maybe that does, does good numbers. Would it do better? See, I don't know what the average pay-per-view boy rate is in America. Uh, I don't know whether Deontay Wilder always do a million views when he fights someone. Like, did he do a million boys no. when he fought uh, Luis Ortiz? No. So like, but UFC when they did Cormier versus Jones hasn't broken a million views, or a million pay-per-view voice. They were like sort of eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. So this also, this also comes down to, to the card itself being built up. You know, like if you're getting, you know, one thing that you you have to know is about America that is different here. Like the UK gets behind Anthony Joshua. You know, yeah. Mexico gets behind Canelo. America don't get behind any fighter. Boy. I think because it's so big and they're, they're almost like our state versus your state, if that makes sense. Yeah, but they do it in wrestling, you know, which is, I'm talking about WWE wrestling. They, you know what I mean? For instance, Hulk Hogan, I know it was like ages ago, but. Yeah, but he, like he, I think it's because the Americans don't like walk out with the American flag. Very few of them do. Chris Weidman. Yeah, but I think he's the closest one you can get to it. And I think when he fought Silva, he actually did get a bit of America behind him because that did over a million pay-per-view boys. So, like, that was quite big. But I also think Ronda Rousey was on that card as well. So, well, like, yeah. so as the co-main event, which, like, sometimes people forget. And sometimes people see pay-per-view numbers and they go, that's incredible. Like, I remember seeing some pay-per-view numbers and I was a bit surprised. But then I saw Rampage Jackson was a massive pay-per-view draw. And, like, he, 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 I think, he, like, when he was on paper, you were getting at least 600,000 boys. And sometimes he served co main events and it made the main events look like they were doing incredible pay per view numbers. 
Because when he fought Rashad Evans, that did uh, close to a million boys. I think that did 900-odd thousand boys. Yeah. Although they had a massive promotion doing the, the Ultimate Fighter. Well, if, mm. if if you're looking around then... They, they were also the first black uh, person versus black person main event in UFC history. Oh, were they? Or uh, at least a fight for a belt anyway. Okay. No, because I'm only after like realising this now about boxing and mixed martial arts. Because obviously, as we just said, like in our... Okay, well, let's, let's go from Ireland to England to America, right? In mm. Ireland, what's a, what is a bigger draw? Mixed martial arts or boxing? I would say MMA at the moment. Unless you... Because... What's the biggest boxing show Ireland's ha- held in the while? There hasn't been one. And Katie Taylor's not fighting here. If Katie Taylor fought here, you'd probably have a better chance of doing a comparison. But, like, Bellator sells out. UFC sells out when it comes here. When's the last time there was a boxing event in the three arena? There hasn't been one. We had the WWE here, though. I don't even think that sells out. <laughs> you know that. They're supposed to come back in October. I just heard on uh, Al Foran's podcast with Finn Balor. Shout out to uh, both them lads, to be honest. Mm. So, okay, right. So, I'll agree with Get that. Get some free tickets there, will you? Yeah, you, you, you could bring The Undertaker out of retirement. But, yeah. uh, and I'll fight Brock Lesnar. But, so, you, we both disagree there, right? That MMA is bigger in Ireland than boxing. Yeah. Okay, right. So, let's move it. Let us know in the comments as well, uh, folks. Uh, right, so then we move into the UK. Well, boxing's bigger. bigger. Boxing, uh, okay. So in Ireland, we'd go what seventy percent MMA, thirty percent boxing. Yeah. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah, fair. All right. I was just showing numbers out there. Okay. So in England, what percentage is it boxing to MMA? Probably eighty percent boxing, because like all the big shows over there are boxing. Like, how often is there a UFC card? Once a year, maybe twice a year. Bellator, maybe twice a year, three times a year. But like. They're doing stadium shows in the boxing. There's like almost one stadium show a year in the UK. Yeah. And like, there's never been an MMA uh, stadium show. Now, could you do a stadium show with Darren Till? You probably could. You know what I mean? Potentially so, but like, you could almost probably do, uh, I don't know how big Birmingham Stadium is, but like, you could probably do a stadium show with Leon Edwards. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not saying. Uh, he's the biggest draw in the world but like if you put lawn people buy the tickets you know what I mean yeah. uh, but like could you do Wembley with Darren Till and Leon Edwards I don't know if you could I don't know if you could put 80,000 people in the stadium yeah unless it was That's close for a it is. Fight. yeah but the only thing the only thing is with boxing and UFC if UFC put on a card like just say the Cynthia Calvey versus Jessica Oye fight right now, it's hard to judge because there's no, nothing else on at the moment, right? That's probably going to do 600 to 800,000 viewers on ESPN, no matter what. Just when you put three letters up on TV, someone's going to go, UFC's on tonight. Who's fighting? Don't know. Well, UFC's on. Mm-hmm. If you put boxing with no one's ever heard on, I think it only does about 300,000 views. So, like, Is it boxing yeah, but, at... Yeah, but you, also, you already know you're getting a watered-down product with boxing. The majority yeah, well, you, of the time. Yeah, well, uh, I definitely agree with you. I think UFC, you know you're getting high-caliber fights. Yeah. Boxing, you're like... A lot of times, you, you know, the undercard is you're giving a, a guy padding his record. Yeah, I know. You know. And that's just the way boxing is. So it's almost like if you're putting into, like, there's going to be a random, a random way to put it. But say if you have your social media page 
and then you're doing all your stuff, all your stuff, it's going great, this, that, and the other. But then you get people start trying to advertise in your shit. And then every post you put out is advertising. It's like what like it's it's not as valuable. It's not as yeah, yeah exactly. you water down the product. The the best way to make boxing better is that you unify all the belts and you just make one belt per division and everyone fights under the same league. So this is what I want to get to. America, yeah. what percent okay, what percent do you think is more boxing fans compared to MMA fans? I'd say it's like sixty percent MMA and forty percent boxing. Would you? I don't think I don't think a lot of people agree with you there. Well, I think. Well, tell us why. Tell the, us why. Well, I think Bellator, UFC, are on every week, and their viewing numbers, I think, are better. The only time people will watch boxing is if they're given a reason to watch boxing. I don't think people are actually boxing fans per se, as in like they won't watch any boxing. I suppose people will watch any mixed martial arts. Does that come down to time of the when they show the event as well, though? No, I think it comes down to like the quality of the athletes performing. So, like in UFC, like you're not getting like some Joe Soap of you're getting somebody who like basically they train full time and like they dedicate their life to this. So sometimes a boxing, like I think if I had six months training, I could beat that fella who's getting battered by that fella. <laughs> But, like, that's the thing. Boxing, like, is so many people are so fed. You know what I mean? Like, put it this way. If you want, go to Auntie Joshua's record and look up the first five guys he fought and then look at the record. I've seen people fight, uh, you know, four wins and, like, 67 losses. You know what I mean? And, like, who's rolling these guys out for these people? You know what I mean? Do, like, do you remember, uh, sorry, do, do you remember, uh, I know it's in America, this is in England now, but do you remember your man, Tyson, uh, Tyson Fury's brother, fought that <laughs> Tommy Fury Tommy Fury and he fought somebody who literally lost like 60 fights or something ridiculous yeah I was like here like yeah, I, I, I think in boxing when like you have five times as many losses as you do wins like you shouldn't be allowed to box anymore yeah, you should be like you're retired you're, that's never going to happen in the UFC yeah or in any MMA organization they're not going to let you it's not going to yeah like the worst the worst your record can sort of go was maybe like you might have three or four more losses them wins at very worst so in America you think 60% are more fans of MMA than boxing yeah definitely yeah boxing 40% that's actually a really interesting thing because I don't think we've ever talked about this on on the air or off the air and uh, well I think when you look at the numbers and then you look at sort of the talent in terms of upper echelon talent boxing wins but in terms of the average talent MMA wins. That's very interesting. Um, and also saying that, Ross, before we move on, because uh, this that one is pure off the cuff, but uh, I, I found that enjoyable. I'm sure people listen to it. As yeah, well, get more of an insight as well. Uh, well, well, I think we mentioned once or twice, so maybe we should uh, talk about him. Darren Till. What a funny man! Uh, <laughs> for, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, Darren Till is like been very bored during this quarantine and uh, he's coming up with a lot of things to do. He's uh, made a fake uh, Dana White Twitter account. I think, is it called Dana Till? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, where like he basically photoshops his face onto Dana White's body and then just says outrageous stuff. Uh, he's done things like um, he's put himself on the front of the EA Sports uh, game and he put his face on his face, McGregor's face. 
Masvidal's face, Robert Whitaker's face, and Khabib's face, and he put his head on all their bodies, which I he's thought was actually gas. He threw it to even more people. He did it like Bisping. He put him, yeah. Robert Whitaker, John Jones on the three Octagon girls' faces as well, on Ariel's as well. Darren Hill, man, you could say he's winning this COVID. Mm. And him and Mike Perry are in a war, war of words. So I really hope Mike Perry wins this weekend and calls out Darren Till because, like, oh, I actually sort of want to see that fight regardless of Darren Till beating Robert Whitaker. I just want to see those two yeah. square off and squash the beef. Uh, Darren Till also created a website, MikePerryIsABum.com. So make sure to go check that out. <laughs> what more can you say about Darren Till? Like, is he, is he the funniest man alive or what? Oh, like, uh, what am like... Like, he, he had such a fast, well, what seemed like a fast trajectory, you know, you know what I mean? And uh, then lost the title. Then had all that other stuff with um, the, the robbing the taxi. And you see, it, I haven't watched his, the interviews he's done recently. He's so honest and open. I can totally understand how him and, and Tyson Fury are actually friends. I say their conversations are mad deep. But um, just the way... He's at home. All of a sudden, you can. You must have ADHD or something. Not as if that's a bad thing, but he's just like, "What can I do? What can I do to have a bit of crack?" And he's just lighting these fires, and everyone's mm. buzzing off it. And you can either be like Ariel Wani and take it good, and just be, and then edit back Ariel's face on the Darren Till's body, or else you can be like Mike Perry and just be absolutely freaked. Although I did think it was quite funny that uh, if Darren Till goes too harsh. On um, Ariel Hawani, Ariel Hawani's like, Wait, hold on, are you being serious? <laughs> and uh, Darren Tills, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't, and that's, that's that's the ultimate thing about him, you know. What I mean, like, at the moment, he's Darren Bisping on Twitter, yeah. uh, you can check him out. And he was like, Believe, achieve, conceive, and then like, he'll follow is like, Are you intoxicated? Like, just some of the best quotes that Bisping's ever had, poor, like. He, he, he just knows exactly what to say and when to say it. Yeah. Also, his face looks great on everyone's uh, body. Not yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a him at home editing these pictures? <laughs> I, I, I feel like it is. I feel like it uh, must be him. Like, it, it's too like, natural. What you make of Darren Till's sort of career so far? And then now he has this huge fight against Robert Whitaker. Who we all, we both know is a no joke. Um, this is going to be a really really big fight, and uh, at the end of the day, it could be an among contender fight, especially if Darren Till wins. You know, I mean, a win over Robert, Robert Whitaker is massive. Can for you him. Be- can you believe this was meant to be in UFC Dublin? Yeah. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know, UFC Dublin is now cancelled. Real sad face. I didn't, even but, uh, I didn't even post that on the story. Like, I mean, posting stuff cancelled is just like, like nah. rather wish Ro a happy birthday. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> uh, look, it's not happening, but I'm, I'm just glad we'll get to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it's massive. I, I don't really know who I favour in it. Robert Whitaker sort of took a bit of time off, like probably a well-deserved break. A lot, a lot of people don't realise that when you become the champion, it takes a massive toll on you. You're no longer getting ready for three-round fights. You're getting ready for five-round fights. You're doing so much more press. You have so much more media to do. It's actually not for everyone. And I think 
if Robert Whitaker only had to get ready for the five round fights, he would have been fine with it. But like he doesn't look like someone who enjoys doing the press and media, as opposed to Darren Till will actually just talk shy for Ireland or for England in this case. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that, I know you just said there you have to do way more media if you're the champ. So some it's only if they really want you there as well. You know, look look at Kamara Usman. I, I haven't really seen anything he's been doing since he's been champ. Yeah, but I don't think anyone's overlooked for him. I suppose Robert Whitaker like represents a country. Like yeah. I'm sure he's getting hounded in Australia to do stuff. Yeah, and he does his podcast as well. Yeah, so well, so look, see, like, like some like Israel Adesanya like seems to have so much energy that they don't mind doing all that. You know, I mean? he, yeah, he as opposed that. to as opposed to Robert Whitaker, that looks like he seems like quite a chill character. You know what I mean, yeah. he'd like happily fade off into the background and just do his fights. Yeah, but Whitaker also was the first person from Australia as well to become champ. So. When you're yeah. first to do something, people want to, they want to like see or hear from you. You know, is it mad the way Whitaker was the first from like the oceanic region to become champion, and then all of a sudden like Volkanovski and um, Adesanya became champ. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. See, it's a bit like uh, you know McGregor was the first uh, European champ as far as I'm aware, and then like Bisping became champ, and it almost probably like instills that belief in people from a region. I mean, like, I wonder whether, like, Chinese MMA explode now because, you know, uh, Weili Zhang became champion there. And, like, that gives people belief as, like, an Asian fighter to be, like, we can do it too. Well, once you sort of crack crack the egg or crack the windscreen, whatever way you want to look at it, then it it gives more opportunity to these fighters as well. Like, they know would be like, hey, who else is in Ireland? You know, or who else is in Europe? Yeah, absolutely. And like it's a bit like the four minute mile, you know, people said you can't run a mile under four minutes. Now one one person did it like I feel like like I, I couldn't run a minute or a four minute mile, but I feel like the best runner in every running club in the country can run a mile in under four minutes now. And like it used to be, you know, unachievable. So I, I think people just need to see something being done and be like, oh, I could do that too. And it's created massive belief, and I'm sure, you know, UFC or MMA and you know, all forms of martial arts are hopping over in um, the Oceanic New Zealand and uh, Australia at the moment. Like even Megan Anderson, like, is probably one way away from a 145 pound title shot. Like, there's some good fighters over there. Jake Matthews is a good fighter as well. I mean, I think Crute's all right as well. <clears throat> yeah, um, he, he's still undefeated, isn't he? Or did he lose one? Yeah, potentially. We'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, uh, he's, there, he's there thereabouts anyway. Yeah, but see the way we're, we were talking about also like uh, what, how mixed martial arts is affecting Ireland, UK and America. All the, all the other, like the, like the Oce- oceanic regions also being English speaking. That's having an effect on everything as well. Mm. Although it's, it's, inter- it's interesting to see now, like you said, like you because they're English speaking, they have that opportunity to become superstars. It, that, that, that was a really interesting conversation to have because, like, well, like in fairness, I love watching boxing, especially like, you know, I mean, the, the, like even the see Mike Tyson potentially coming out of retirement is hilarious, which is brilliant as well because he's like, he looks seriously dangerous. But also, Qu- question like, for you do you like watching boxing or do you like watching high level boxing? Do you like watching MMA or high level MMA? Well, I'd much rather watch high high level MMA. I can sort of pass on lower level stuff. Yeah, to yeah. be honest, 
So yeah. like I prefer watching high level. It's a bit like watching football. You know what I mean? Like I don't watch League One. You know what I mean? There we go. So yeah. no, it's just it's just really interesting because we sort of give them percentages and what we what we think mm-hmm. what's more what what the country or the countries tend to like more and uh, it's going to be interesting now to see how that progresses in the future especially because as we said the oceanic region coming in and more more people around Europe and then um, if the boxing promoters don't sort of get on that if they don't learn something from this as I said earlier mm. or even start taking some, some sort of tips mm. off Dana White whether it be like, like the good or the bad and improve their own product yeah, it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. And then also once like, like I don't think Fury and Joshua and Deontay Wilder and the Ruiz and uh, the Dylan Whites are just gonna keep fighting each other nonstop, 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 nonstop. They're gonna end up retiring, and then who's the next influx? And mm. it's gonna be really, really interesting because if you don't have the the, the next the, wave ready to go, yeah, or even the, the the like two people that will be, you need a, a rivalry. You need a you need a big rivalry to sort of you know. Keep the sport alive. Yeah. Tell, tell you this, Baz. You mentioned Mike Tyson there. Where would you like to see Mike Tyson show up and fight next? Do you want to see him boxing? There's talk of bare knuckle boxing against Wanderlei Silva. John Jones <laughs> said he'd. John Jones said he'd. Uh, what's it called? He'd box him if uh, he give him a rematch in a MMA fight. What? Where do you want to see him fight, or do you want to see him fight? Even? Like I'm really enjoying these videos, watching him destroy his uh, coach. Or pad holder, um, I don't think I, don't, I can't see him do bare knuckle boxing. You know, I mean, I, there's something about that that's too wild west. I, I would like to see him do a boxing match, maybe. Uh, but like, I, I know Dana White's talking about opening up his like starting his own boxing. Uh, what would you call it? Promotion? Zufa. Yeah, Zufa boxing. Zufa boxing. But I don't, I don't I know. he put that really on the back burner yeah. he came out and said that there. Yeah, he's, like, he's like oh, I, have to, I have to steady this ship first yeah and especially what's going on now and I don't mm. think like really in three years time Tyson White Tyson won't be the way he is right now mm. but um, who knows who knows yeah the thing is I don't really know who I'm supposed to like watch him fight yeah. um, what what about a box match Mike uh, Tyson versus Anderson Silva would you watch that that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, but Anderson Silva won to fight Roy Jones Jr. for ages. A box it, match. No, it just seems like Dana White's not going to let these people fight. What about uh, Mike Tyson versus Francis Ngannou? Oh, my God. In a box I'd match. I'd watch that, but there'd only be one winner. And also, they're friends. See, the more yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Why not? Or what about Mike Tyson versus maybe like James Tony? James Tony was a heavyweight boxer. And like, I feel like he's let himself go a bit. He should fight... Uh, George Foreman. Um, is he not like super old now? Uh, for a second there, I wasn't too sure if he was still alive. But my point is, the winner takes <laughs> all. The winner takes the grill. Oh, I have, to, I have to Google George Foreman now and find out what age he is. George yeah. Foreman is 71, man. You can't fight him. Uh, yeah, but like the winner gets the grill. So it's either, the, he changes it to the Mike Tyson grill. Mike Tyson grill is hell loads, isn't it? What if Mike Tyson came back and fought Buster Douglas in a rematch? <laughs> Buster Douglas was the first person to ever beat him, so like, I don't really want to see Mike Tyson back. Really, like, I mean, I mean, I, I to... sort of want to see him do like a, you know, punch a bag as hard as he can or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really want to see him, yeah, do anything else. 
Yeah. Buster Douglas, oh, Buster Douglas is sexy. Like, uh, like, I feel like you have to put Tyson in there against someone younger than him. Like, you can't put him in, like, he's 53. Maybe Tyson against Andy Ruiz. No, I think Andy Ruiz is, like, too good. Oh, what about Tyson versus Lucas Brown? Do you remember Lucas Brown? Not really. Big fella. He's an Australian boxer. He is, I'll tell you what age he is now, 41. That seems feasible. He got knocked out there by Dillian White a while ago. So, like, in six rounds. So, maybe him. Well, who's that? Who's the the? Oh, I don't see a box Wanderlei Silva. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in an actual box match. I'd watch that because I feel like Tyson would knock him out and I'd be like, go on, Tyson. <laughs> who's the absolute enormous boxer? That, uh, like, the, the Russian guy. Not, not Pulev. Something like that. Oh, Klitschko? No, the other one. Oh, Valley. Value Ev, yeah, yeah. Why not? Although, <laughs> although I feel like he, I feel like he would like had some sort of genetic thing. Like he had like gigantism or something, didn't he? Yeah, but like Tyson, Tyson coming back is a bit of a free show. So if he's gonna, if it's gonna be a free show, may as well get a Value Ev. Well, he, he, he's forty six. Like uh, I'd sign up for that. His last fight was in two thousand nine against David Hayes. So, like that was like eleven years ago. So yeah, like that seems fair enough. Yeah, what age is my toys in 55 or something? 53. So, like, there's only about seven years of difference. There we go. That, 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 seems, that seems better than uh, Vandalay Silva, who was like. Yeah, why did Mike Toys fight the winner of Tor versus Eddie Hall? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that could be. Like, that, that, one of them would call out Mike Toys and after. But, uh, Ross, we didn't really know what we were going to get into the show with, and uh, we're actually having a, after having a quite an interesting show. So uh, before we recap the weekend's MMA and look forward to this week, uh, weekend's UFC Poirier versus Hooker, make sure to like, make sure to subscribe because we're nearly on 500 subscribers on Spotify and we're nearly on 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So, Ross. Right. Do you want me to run over last week's card? And then we'll yeah. get to, well, there's only, in fairness, I actually just want to do like one or two shout outs on the card. And then we'll discuss like three fights that actually mattered. I'll lead us into the card, right? And then uh, you can take it away. Uh, last weekend, Curtis Blaze defeated Alexander Volkov in the heavyweight division. Uh, and Ross both actually thought Blades would win this. But uh, Ross, what do you have to say about that fight and the card itself? Uh, look, the card itself, not that impressive. The main event, not that impressive. Co-main event, very impressive. And... The biggest talking point in the entire card was the very first fight of the night. Um, Jim Miller won by submission. Uh, big shout out to him. Like, what an absolute vet. Still getting it done in this thing. Uh, Curtis Blade set a record for most takedowns in UFC heavyweight history. 14 takedowns versus Volkov. Uh, a lot of people gave him a lot of criticism for that fight. But if that's Curtis Blade's way to win, like that's how we should get the job done. I'm not really overly against that. It doesn't like want me to be like, can't wait for Curtis Blades to fight next. But if your opponent can't stop you doing something, well then like that's the ultimate way to do it. I think maybe he should uh, take a few more notches from Khabib and uh, try and you know implement a bit more ground and pound. But I think after the third round, he was fairly gassed. But a dominant nun, uh, win nonetheless. Um, in terms of the co-main event, Josh Emma versus Shane Burgos, that was a absolute barn burner. Fight of the night, maybe potential fight of the year candidate. Uh, Josh Emmett did enough to get the job done there. Uh, but let's talk about 
the very, very first fight of the night. We had uh, Austin Hubbard versus Max Roshkoff. Is that how you say it? Yeah. So Max Roshkoff actually looked really, really good. I went back and rewatched this fight to be like, should this have happened or should it not? So basically what happened is Max Roshkoff won the first round, Austin Hubbard won the second round, and then in the break between the second and third round, Roshkoff, or we'll just call him Max, said he wants his corner to call it. Said he's had enough. He doesn't want to fight anymore. Roger, Robert Drysdale, who's an absolute ace Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu wizard, uh, had one fight in the UFC. Was trying to convince his fighter to stay in the fight and not call it quits. He said, "You're a champion. You can do this." And uh, Max is five zero coming into this fight. He looked very impressive in the first round. Threw a lot of side kicks. And uh, second round, he actually looked quite good for the first maybe two minutes. But uh, then the last two and a half minutes, it was all Hubbard. Um, he was doing some uh, Yamanori rolls and everything. Uh, I was actually quite impressed by Max up until the last two minutes of the th- uh, second round. Did you see the fight, Barry? Yeah, but like I really see the talking point is actually sitting on the stool and mm. thrown in the towel. Um, a lot of people have had different opinions on this. Some people saying if you've never fought, like your opinion doesn't really count. The thing is. Like you can say, like in my, from my point of view, it was very difficult to see a fighter saying that he quits, he wants to stop this, that, and the other. But if he if he he fights as well, obviously. So it's like I'm just, some people don't like mixed martial arts because it's because uh, it's vicious, but also it was or uncomfortable to watch. But I found it uncomfortable to watch him sitting on the stool and not wanting to go back out there. To be honest, from my point of view, the last thing you want to leave in the octagon is regrets. And Max is going to sit there on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week, and he's going to regret not going out and answering that belt the third round. Uh, at the end of the day, he was 5-0 and going in there. He never faced his uh, defeat in the octagon. And his coach knew he could go in there and get the job done. He had quite a lot of success with his wrestling in the first round. And he said, just take him down and hold him down and get the job done. Uh, He didn't take enough damage in the second round for it to be, you know, it was a broken eye socket or, you know, a broken nose. He just felt like he didn't have the energy to go in there and get the job done. I think anyone of that high level of uh, an athlete, now I know he took this fight on five days' notice, should be able to find five minutes on the gas tank somewhere, get the job done. Who knows? What if he even went out and did like a flying knee to start the round and like see how he got on with that? You know what I mean? Um, I, I just think it wasn't the best idea for him quitting on the stool. I don't think uh, what's called, you know, in a year's time, he'd be like, that was a good decision. He'll probably regret it. And a lot of criticism has come out for Robert Drysdale on this saying, like, he asked to quit like nine times and you said no. But as a coach, your idea is to like push your athlete past, you know, his point that he thinks he can go. Yeah, but nine and... times is a lot, Ross. Like yeah, nine times. If you've asked me, like, let's put it this way. I know it's a totally different thing, but like, say if you were asking a girl out on a date nine times, you said no. Like, I mean, should you ask again? Depends on how good looking the girl is, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know they're not the same things, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, no, but like, I, I, I do think that, you know. He was, he was sort of saying he was done. He was out of energy. He wasn't saying, I'm hurt. Or he wasn't saying, yeah. you know, 
I can't continue. It was more, I don't want to continue. I don't want to fight. But like, you know, it's a bit like, you know, if you're doing your gym workout at home, just to like sort of make it on average for, for like a, a regular person. I mean, sometimes you don't want to do the last set, but then when you do the last set afterwards, you feel great. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's a bit different than you're putting yourself in probably immediate danger. But as a coach, like, it's not just this fight. It's his career. You know what I mean? You're after taking this fight on short notice. You're after yourself getting yourself into the UFC. And if you sit there and sit, quit on the stool, that's going to, like, have you known as, like, a quitter for the rest of your UFC career. And, like, that might be harsh, but, like, think of it when I'm at a press conference fighting Max next time, like, oh, well, Max quits on the stool. You know what I mean? And you've, like, put that in his head again. And, like, you know, when the going gets tough, the easiest thing to do was to quit. You know what I mean? And I think on this occasion, I, I sided with the coaches on this. I think, you know what I mean? He was trying to motivate him. He wasn't trying to force him in there to harm him. He thought he could get the job done. He got the job done in round one. It was yeah, one all going into the third. Yeah, because he, he does have his best interests at heart. Mm. Um, for people that don't really watch it, it watch the MMA, and like I'm sure the majority of people that don't really watch MMA probably saw that as well because it was the first fight of the night. It's probably it's taken over from a, a previous show, um, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, that's that's really really bad." He's like getting forced to do something that he's not. Well, first of all, he went in, he made the entrance walk, he knew exactly what he was doing. It wasn't as if like here we're fighting this guy right now. It wasn't his debut. He's, he made that walk five other times. Yeah, and then um. You, you, like we previously had Reese McKee on the show and we asked about throwing in the towel because this came up a, a while ago not too long Anthony ago. Smith Anthony Smith when he was getting his teeth knocked out literally um, when should he throw in the towel and then Reese said himself that he's not throwing in the towel and that's it yeah he was like that's the thing about MMA like you could lock up a triangle with 10 seconds to go after losing look at Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva Chael Sonnen absolutely like Destroyed Anderson Silva four and a half rounds, and Anderson Silva got a triangle in and got the job done. You know what I mean? Like, not you, to, you're in it to the last minute. That's the thing, not to sound bad, but uh, they know what they're getting themselves into. And yeah. it, this is a very big possibility. And that, like, it's the UFC, it's the biggest organization in the world. This isn't, this is no joke. This isn't in, in the back garden, you know? But, uh, and at the end of the day, Robert Drysdale could have thrown in the tail for his guy. A minute into the fifth, third round. Yeah, it was, it, it, but uh, but undeniably, it is sort of difficult to see, and the, the, mm. your human remorse does come out. But um, yeah, well, I do think it was a bit harsh. Some of the you know things that people said about Roger, Robert Drysdale that was disgraceful. He didn't have his best fighters' interest heart. You don't know that guy. Like maybe Max is in the gym sometimes, and like he, he like you know he's mopping the floor with people, and then like you know they do new opponent each round and then the third round is like I don't want to do it it's like Max you can do it go on and then like Max goes in and gets the job done I mean these are things that happen all the time yeah. have you I ever know. seen that video of your man who he carries your man over the back and he's like right I want you to go to the halfway line and then like he blindfolds him and he goes the, the whole way I mean sometimes people don't know their own ability and other people can see their ability in them yeah also you don't know what his background is as well like if say if he like if say if he needs to fight to make a living, mm. you know, the you know, or if he does, like, say, if he, like, if he comes from a, a privileged fa- background and he doesn't need to fight, there is sort of, like, if if he, how much does he need this as well? Yeah, as well, want it, you know, it's a lot of questions. 
Well, maybe someone should have said to him, here, look, if you win, there's another 12 grand for you. And that might have made him go back out for five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, you know what? I'm, I'm waiting to see a proper interview with him after. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, as you said, that that's that's there now ingrained in this history. And if he comes up... I, I, I almost feel bad for Austin Hubbard because, like, he actually got the job done, but, like, no one's actually talking about him. Everyone's talking about the fellow who lost. Yeah. So, shout out to Austin Hubbard. Yeah, shout out to Austin Hubbard. Uh, there is UFC on this weekend, and then there's none on the weekend, and weekend after that, and then the weekend after that. It's two fifty. Yeah, myself and Ross, we've wrote down a few fighters' names that we're going to try and get on the show in the build of the fight island. And we're going to be, obviously, we're going to be, there's going to be some big shows coming as well. So make sure you hit a like and subscribe. Uh, this weekend, it is being held in the Apex. So the Poirier is taking on Dan Hooker in the lightweight division. Ross, we were looking through the card. It's not amazing. Uh, no, first, I only actually want to talk about the main event and co-main event. And that's it. Yeah, okay. Well, then we'll start off Mike Perry is taking on Mickey Gall in the welterweight division, the co-main event of the evening. Ross, what are you expecting here? Mickey Gall, very good on the ground. Mike Perry loves a bang. Let me bang. Uh, yeah, in more ways than one. Um, I expect Mike <laughs> Perry to get the, get the job done here by TKO. But when I watch Mickey Gall fight Diego Sanchez, I feel like at this stage of uh, his career, um, Mike Perry is a better brawler than Diego Sanchez is. And if Diego Sanchez was able to get the job done against Mickey Gall, I believe uh, Mike Perry will be able to get the job done. I think he'll get him out there. Mike, or Mickey Gall looks like sort of a kid who hasn't developed yet, like physically. And I think Mike Perry's going to knock him out. Mickey Gall sort of had a massive trajectory and then it's just like it's going down big time. Well, I think he beat Sage Norcott and then when other people beat Sage Norcott, like it was like seemed less impressive. Yeah, but also CM Punk, the way yeah. he, got, he got that, like obviously it wasn't a difficult fight, but he got that stardom. He should have just kept on trying to fight slabs. Give us another slab in the welterweight division you could take on. Um, Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying it was going his way now, but like, it'd be a big fight. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so you got, we're both going for my pay for that, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then in the main event, Dustin Poirier is taking on Dan Hooker. Ross, this is actually a very, very good main event. Yeah, it really, really is. Uh, Dan Hooker coming off a controversial uh, split decision win over Paul Felder. I wasn't actually 100% sure if I was like, oh, Dan Hooker won that. But because it was in New Zealand, I felt like that definitely gave him the nod over uh, Felder. And then Poirier hasn't actually fought since his loss to Khabib and Magomedov. Um I think Poirier after fighting in that fight was like, oh, I'm only going to fight the very best now. And look, Poirier before that fight beat Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez and Max Holloway. Four on the trot. Like, if that's not one of the best four fight win streaks of all time, I don't know what it is. Very, very impressive. Yeah. I don't think Dan Hooker's up at Poirier's level. I think Poirier's better boxing and he's got better jiu-jitsu. Do I think Hooker hits harder is the only area that I could see, sort of see him uh, getting the job done. Maybe a better gas tank as so, well. Ross, if, you look, if you're looking at it this way, right? Poirier, I know he was the interim champ, but he still got his arm raised in the air and he was like, I've made it. Look, mom, I've made it. Whereas Hooker is like, still very determined to get up there. 
I know well, the way Poirier has been Khabib smashed. Could, do you think he still want like would want a rematch against Khabib? No, like that must be really. really but the thing, but the thing is, it might not. Poirier must uh, what's called have his back up uh, again because if you think about it, Khabib's going to fight good Justin Gaethje, and if Justin Gaethje can beat Khabib, Poirier's already beaten Justin Gaethje, so he could get back to the belt that way, and it would be a rematch as well. So Poirier sort of has to keep that eye on the prize. And look, he trains with Jorge Masvidal as well. Uh, he's got some great training partners there at ATT. And I just really, really like him for it. I just think he's, he's the superior uh, martial artist in this fight. Okay. Well, I understand what you're saying. Dan Hooker looks very, very hungry. Oh, that's I, also, I also feel if Dan Hooker wins, he still doesn't have the names to get in there. I think they'd rather throw Ferguson ahead of him. They'd rather throw... Obviously, Gaethje had him. McGregor would be ahead of him. As opposed to, like, I feel like Poirier with the win could almost move into a better spot, if that makes sense. That was a good point. That's a good point. Like, right. Poirier's already been there for the big fights. I know, yeah. It's but, like, it could be a fight of the year. This could be a five-round war. Back and forth, you know what I mean? What do you think this fight would be like? All I'm going to say, Dustin Poirier after a bit of back and forth, it's going to get a fourth round submission. I probably should have asked myself first. Okay. <laughs> well, who do you think is going to win? No, I, 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 I think they are. It's going to be rock and sock them for a while. Like we know Poirier yeah. has done that. And then, I t- I t- like it's going to go to the ground. and It will be, maybe even third round. I, I don't want to take the same round as you, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm expecting Poirier to win. Who, what if if you were uh, Poirier after this fight? Who would you who would you not expect? But who should he call out? Because obviously, calling Conor McGregor is the thing to do. But he could call out McGregor for a match, or he call, could call out Tony Ferguson. I think they're his two best call Tony out Ferguson. opportunities. Tony Ferguson Poirier would be very good. Yeah, I'd definitely be down for that. You know what I mean? So there we go. Um, yeah, and then. One fight I'm dying to see in the lightweight division is the fake Khabib, Islam Makachev versus the fake Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You uh, <laughs> making that noise. Okay. What noise? That's, noise? That's you like a belt up there laughing, buzzing off that. But uh, yeah, uh, also here there's a fight that could be addressed in this card I just wanted to say. Jean Valente against Maurice Green. If Jean Valente doesn't win that, he may as well move down to the low heavy like. But, yeah, uh, Maurice Green is like six foot seven. He's bled massive. I think he's going to actually have... smash him. Nah, he's too much of a tree. Stuck, stuck in the mold division. But uh, Ross, that's what it wraps up the show, unless you have anything else to say. No, I think it actually went on a bit longer than I expected, but uh, great show nonetheless. Uh, good banter from the lads. And yeah, if you enjoyed that show, plenty of laughs, plenty of good insight in there. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. And as always, stay energized. Stay energized, guys.